So Father, we submit. We surrender. Uh, I believe I'm speaking in proxy for people. We're tired of running. We're tired of fighting. We're tired of arguing. We're tired of the back and forth. We're tired of the empty promises. We're tired of the empty feelings. So, Father God, bring us to a place of total yielding. Bring us to a place of total yielding, God. We want to yield. We want to yield. Let these tears be tears of repentance. Let these tears be tears of surrender. Let these tears be tears of godly sorrow. Let these be tears of a broken and contrite heart. Wherewith you will no wise despise. So speak to your people, God. Open hearts, open minds, open ears to receive everything you have for us today, God. And we will, we will obey. It is our will to obey. Send your spirit, God, to empower us to do so. And it is so. In Jesus' name. Jesus. I hear God saying, you're going to be tired of fighting the Holy Ghost this week. You're going to submit. You're not going to fight with him this week. You're going to submit. You're going to let him have his way. And you're going to see a brand new way. You're going to see a brand new way. You're going to let him have his way. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Don't... <clears throat> Oh, yes. Thank you, God. I hear God saying, don't try to fake what I want to give you for real. Because that counterfeit lifestyle you're living, I hear God say, when it breaks, you have no warranty to get it fixed. But if you just wait on me, I got the real thing right around the corner for you. I got the real, I got, it's already set in motion. I already set a date for the real thing. I already, I, I, I already made all the plans. I already made all the, I hear God saying, I already made all the reservations. Just stop faking it because I can't, I, I can't, I, I cannot provide for a counterfeit. And this is why you're asking God, why am I still facing lack when I serve you? He says, you're still lacking because I can't provide for the counterfeit lifestyle you have created for yourself. Don't fake it any longer. I hear God saying, I love you too much to expose you. I'm not going to expose you. I'm not going to expose you. <laughs> The man of God loves you. He ain't even going to tell your business, even though I showed him what it is. All he's going to do is pray for you and seek God's best for you. I love you too much to expose you, but I can't, I can't cover a counterfeit. I can't, I can't give a warranty to a counterfeit. And the real thing that I have for you, it costs more, but I promise you it's going to last much longer. It's going to last. It's going to last. It's going to last. And even when you feel like it's going to break because I cover it, I'm not going to let it break. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. John chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, King James Version. John, thank you, Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Pastor Keena, I appreciate you, man, for standing in the gap for me last weekend and preaching. Did he do all right, y'all? Did he do all right? Yes, sir. Amen, amen. We got some cool pastors here, and I thank God for them. They are, they are earning. They are earning their keep, and I appreciate God for them. Um, uh, last, the weekend before last, God, God swiftly called me away to Africa 
And um, uh, Wednesday we got on the plane, last Wednesday rather, we got on the plane to Africa. Uh, Tuesday rather, we got on the plane to Africa. Uh, 21 hours in the air. And uh, we made it there. And we were there for eight days and we preached seven of the eight days. Uh, we were able to preach in Johannesburg. We were also able to preach in Cape Town. And so God was pleased. Amen. Amen. I, I have a real question because the Lord gave us favor with some of the pastors there, some of the bishops and apostles, and we made some good connections. Uh, so they asked me to come back around this time next year. Uh, would any of you like to go with me? I'm not, okay, I'm not joking, all right? I'm not joking. <laughs> Amen, Tabitha, okay. Amen. Just like we posse out to Texas, uh, uh, y'all down to posse out to South Africa? Okay, Danita said, no, I'm good. She's going to stay. We'll, we'll bring her back to Dashiki. Amen. <laughs> but if, you, if you're trying to roll, um, uh, we're going to get Adrian on top of it, and uh, we'll let y'all know the plans. Uh, we're going to go to South Africa. Amen. Amen. And uh, we're going we're gonna to see what God can do there as well. Uh, so, But I'm, I promise you, I'm glad to be home. Uh, beautiful, beautiful place. Love to visit. Can't live there. Amen. There is no place I'd rather stand on Sunday mornings than right here uh, and declare the word of God to you, uh, the most beloved people of God. I love y'all. I thank God for you. And uh, thank God. Uh, Brother Mike, he kept texting me. He's like, all right, don't let them keep you now. He was making sure that they wouldn't keep me. So they didn't keep me. I'm back. Uh, we're in the series. We're continuing in the series, Jesus and Culture. Jesus and Culture. Looking at how Jesus himself engaged with the different cultures that he experienced in his time. First Sunday, Easter Sunday, we talked about Jesus and Thomas. And uh, I, don't, I don't think any of us will ever look at Thomas the same way again. Amen. Amen. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Kena talked about Jesus uh, and Zacchaeus. Amen. So we're excited about how God dealt with someone who was not of his fold, but how he embraced and, and graced, uh, showed grace to them and how his life was changed. And he was able to embody the very purpose that God named him for. Now this week, uh, let's go to John chapter 3. I want to start reading at verses 1 through 15. Uh, if you can, uh, let's, let's, let's stand for the reading of our Lord and Savior's word. I we're going to read this passage, and then you can be seated, and you can sit down for the rest of the service if you want to. Uh, John chapter 3, starting at the first verse. We're reading out of the New King James Version uh, simply because that's the Bible that had the whole passage on one page. <laughs> there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say this unto you, or unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. Whether it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, 
how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and we testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. For if I have told you earthly things, ye believe not. How shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that come down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You may be seated. Jesus. Jesus and Nicodemus. Sometimes it's good to just stand up and, and read the word of God for a while. Amen. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with just standing and reading the word of God for a while. Amen. Amen. Let's deal with this. So since the inception of the church, the first century, and even with the people of God, known as the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, even further in the Old Testament, there has always been orthodoxy. Orthodoxy or, or, or orthodoxy. Have you ever heard of that word? Orthodox. Orthodoxy. That speaks of, let's talk about orthodoxy for a minute. That speaks of those doctrines, traditions, and principles that governs the church's existence, orthodoxy. So it, it, it includes a couple of things. Number one, doctrines. Doctrines. Each of the pastoral candidates uh, as, as they are now in, in their time of preparation, in their time of training, their time of development, each and every one of them have had to go through the development of their own personal doctrine and or theology. They have to be able to give an answer for the doctrine of the church. Who is God? What is the Bible? Who is Jesus? What is the church? How does God finance his church? What are the five-fold ministry gifts? What are their purpose in the church? Who is the head of the church? All of these questions, when they are answered, they formulate doctrine. Now, I know that we don't, uh, we don't read a lot of doctrinal statements every weekend. I know some churches every weekend, when they come together, they read, we believe. <laughs> we believe in one God. Uh, developed in three persons. We, we, we believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe in water baptism. We believe in the fellowship of the saints. We believe, so forth and so on. That's orthodoxy, the doctrine of the church. But not only is there orthodoxy, but there's also traditions. So uh, the doctrine of the church is developed and based off of the Canaanite scripture, these 66 books of the Bible, we're not going to worry about the Apocrypha today. We won't talk about that. We're not going to worry about the Maccabees and all the, you know, the gospel according to Judas and all of those other books. We're going to talk about the 66 canonized books of the Bible. Uh, we won't go deep into that, but the reason why these are in the Bible, the reason why we deal with these as opposed to any others that are included in the Apocrypha is simply because these are the ones that all of the church fathers agreed upon. These are the ones that everybody said, yes, this is the word of the Lord, and we embrace it. You got to be very careful of personal understanding that's not shared. Personal revelation. All right, in the school of ministry students, they, they all know this already. The reason why Christianity is the most provable religion, because it's not a religion that one person got in secret on the backside of a mountain and came and told everybody else about their personal revelation. Everybody's seen Jesus. Everybody's seen him die. They've seen him get up. They've seen him ascend. And they've seen all the miracles that ensued. So not only is there 
doctrine, in other words, what we teach, what we know, what we share about Christ and his church, about the Bible, but there is also traditions. I know that's a cuss word in, in, with most millennials nowadays. I know that's a cuss word with most people, but uh, here's what I've learned about tradition. Uh, tradition is not bad if you understand why. The only reason why many people hate tradition or many people go contrary to tradition is because we keep doing it, but we don't connect the doing with the why. And I need you to understand right now, don't, don't, don't get so don't wrapped up in, in neo-church that you forget about the old church because none of us would be here right now if it wasn't for the old church. You see, some of, some of the neo-church don't know how to pray, but it was the old church that while you was in that drunken stupor and you took too many pills and, and you, was, you, know, you had a bad abortion and that you were bleeding too bad and, and it was the old church that prayed. Okay, All right, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that's been drunk in my life. Okay, praise the Lord. Amen. I understand that I'm only standing here right now because, because there was somebody who kept a tradition alive. And, and, and by the way, brushing your teeth is a tradition too. But you keep doing it. I pray you do it for the rest of your life. And even when they're not yours anymore, I pray the ones that you buy, you brush them and you keep. Amen. That's something we do traditionally. But nobody's mad about that. You need to understand that there are traditions that are connected to orthodoxy that should be continued. A few weeks ago, we had a very high orthodoxy service. We had robes and we had bishops and we had prophets and, and we had, uh, you know, everybody was in there in their Sunday best. And, you know, we was in that second Sunday, you know, choir black and white, you know. We had the tables out, and, and we sung the old hymns, and, and, and we went through the, the liturgical service. That's a tradition that we hold to because that is what the fathers of the church did, and they passed it down to us. And so, yes, there should be doctrine and tradition which makes up orthodoxy. I pray that even when my sons and my daughters are, are standing in my said preaching and prophesying, even after I'm gone, I pray that there is some doctrine I have put into them. There are some traditions that I have handed over to them that they will be able to continue the work of God until the return of Jesus Christ. We appreciate doctrine and traditions. We need orthodoxy. Here's the reason why we need orthodoxy, because there will come a time and there even has already been seasons in the church's history where somebody would want to say something different than what has always been. In the first century or matter of fact, in the third century. Uh, no, we, let's let's go back for a minute. We, we'll we'll do history. I promise I won't keep you too long. Uh, in 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 the text in the Bible, go to Revelation, and we'll deal with this in in a, in a couple of in a couple of months when we get to summer. We're going to teach through the whole book of Revelation. Don't get scared; it's going to be good. We're going to teach through the whole thing. In in the Bible, seven men are consecrated. Seven men are ordained. Seven men are laid hands on, and they become the first deacons of the church. One of those men who met all the qualifications, who did everything that they were supposed to do, who was, watch this, as the apostle determined, filled with the Holy Ghost. His name is Nicholas. And Nicholas began to listen to Paul's teaching, and Paul began to teach about this explicit, this just downright, just crazy grace. He begins to talk about the, the, the grace of God that, 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 is, that is so provocative. Paul begins to describe the grace of God almost as if it were a prostitute. Standing on the street saying, come get some for free. That's how provocative the grace of God is. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to live right for it. All you got to do is accept it. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to crawl out for it. All you got to do is just accept it. And Nicholas says, that's bomb. So I ain't got to live right to get this grace? Yes. And so Nicholas starts telling people, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. I was talking to Paul the other day, and Paul told me that we don't have to 
We don't have to do anything to get God's grace. All we got to do is live. And God's grace is just going to come new every day. Smoke what you want, drink what you want, live what you want, do what you want, and all we need to do is wake up. Boom, grace. So much to the degree that the apostle Paul has to come back and say, shall we sin more? That grace would abound. It's in your Bible. God forbid. Because there is a responsibility connected to grace. And so I got to help the grace preachers. I got to help Nicholas. And that's why even in Revelation, he talks about the deeds. They, they got so widespread, they became a people. They called them Nicolaeans. Because they exploited the grace of God. This is why we need doctrine and this is why we need tradition. This is why there is our orthodoxy. Go all the way to the third century. The third century, there is a young pastor named Arius. And Arius rises up and Arius begins to, to read the Bible in Latin. We have the Latin Vulgate by that time. And he begins to read the scriptures in Latin. And he begins to say, Jesus is not God. Because of how he read it. Nobody else had that interpretation but him. You got to watch when don't nobody else know it but you. Ain't nobody else get the revelation. Somebody ought to have some confirmation. Somebody ought to be able to confirm. This is what the Lord was, this is what the Lord was telling me. What you think about this? Can I, can I just, let me just pause parenthetically and insert this here. The Bible says with two or three witnesses, the word is confirmed. So if, if you can't at least find two people to agree that what, what you didn't heard in your mind is God, that might be your flesh. I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to come off that step. But just pray. Okay, just, okay, all right, all right. Okay, all right. So Arius decides to do something different. The whole reason why we had the council at Nicaea in 325 is simply because they had to erect more orthodoxy. Fast forward. You can go on Netflix and watch it right now. Come Sunday. Bishop Carlton Pearson, arguably the most profound and the most well-connected, the strongest African-American pastor in the world at his time. He hears a new gospel that nobody else gets. On, only him. No, no other, nobody else in the world gets this revelation but him. And the people that follow him don't count. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, don't, don't miss this. Here, here it is. This is why, this is why we have people who are over us. This is why I have five men that give me covering every day. And so whenever I feel God moving in my life to do something, even in the new developments and things that we're getting ready to do around Heavenly Vision, I talk to all five of those men. Do you hear God? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Okay, good. I had to talk to all five of them. And you got to be very careful that you don't distrust the people that are covering you because they go contrary to you. That's the whole reason why you need them in your life. Where Kevin Hart at? You need a no man sometimes. You need somebody to say, nah, girl, take that all the way off. No, no, no. Mm -mm. Bro, you're tripping. You're tripping. She the best thing ever happened to you. Do not leave her. Put that girl at your office. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. She can't even cook, man. She Listen, I don't even know if she can spell. You see how she be posting stuff on Instagram? So there needs to be orthodoxy. Everybody shout it one more time, orthodoxy. You need it. You need it because it helps bring things together. It helps bring things together. It helps, it, it helps to know that this is what has been said. It helps to know that this is what we've been doing. And now I know that we're in a new day and we're in a new age, but there are some things that should stay the same. There are some things that should stay the same. We should keep following the scripture. We should keep following orthodoxy. But not only is there orthodoxy, but watch this. I believe that when we embrace the doctrine, when we embrace the traditions of, of the church, of God's word, 
The full manifestation of orthodoxy should be, here's the, the last big word I'm going to give you for today, orthoproxy. Now, orthoproxy, now, difference from orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is the right teaching, the right doctrine, the right traditions. But orthoproxy, on the other hand, speaks of moral conduct. It speaks of upright character. Let's deal with it for a minute. Now, I don't need nobody to, to, to go into a flashback of that pastor that didn't do you right. Just stay, stay, stay out of the memories, okay? We just, we just got to get understanding. All of us know people that have orthodoxy but don't have orthoproxy. We call them hypocrites. They say the right thing. They just don't live the right way. And so the ultimate goal of orthodoxy is not just to say what we know, but what we know should be manifested in how we live. Orthoproxy speaks of one that has understood the doctrines, that have understood and embraced their tradition to the degree where they become moral in their conduct. You can't read the scripture and not live the scripture. I'm going to argue how saved you are. If you told a Bible, you post scriptures, you talk the church talk, you go to a church regularly, but it's not manifesting in your lifestyle. You are only as saved as your timeline. You are only as saved as where you use your debit card most frequently. You are only as saved as the bed you sleep in three weeks out of the month. It's not just enough to have orthodoxy. You have to have orthoproxy. You have to have the moral conduct. This is why the church loses validity in the culture because the church says one thing but lives another way. I wish I had about 18 people in this room who says, God, I know your word, and by the empowerment of your spirit, I'm trying to live that thing. I'm, I'm trying to take this Bible, put it over my head, and live it. Orthoproxy speaks of upright character. And all of this is based on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You cannot have orthoproxy without the filling, the indwelling, and the presence of the Holy Spirit because all of us are prone to failure. All of us have weaknesses and proclivities and propensities that we will address if we are provoked. Okay, let's, let's talk about it for a minute. All of us are saved in good conditions. Talk with me for, okay, all right, all right. I, I get, let, me, let me talk over here. All of us are saved in good conditions, but let the conditions become peril enough. Let your, let, everybody is saved when they ain't lonely. Talk to me. Amen. The, the, the reality is, is that the test of our orthoproxy is when we get to our physical extremity. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will keep you, talk to your grandma, when you don't want to be. Can we just pause and say, Holy Ghost, keep me. I, you know, I. I don't, listen, here's the thing. And you cannot allow yourself to get so holy that you think you don't need the Holy Ghost. Because most of us, we slip when we get arrogant and when we get halty and when we think we got it under control, when we think we got our flesh under control, then, then, then in a moment of weakness, somebody flex and then we all of a sudden in a band that we know we don't need to be in. All of a sudden, we drinking something we know we shouldn't be drinking. We, we go in places and we say stuff out of our mouth that in a conscious moment we would not say, but because we are weak, And that's where we need 
the Holy Ghost. Ain't none of us perfect. None, 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 none of us, none of us, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Here it is. It's not a question of what you believe. James 2, 19 tells even demons believe. Ain't nobody worried about your belief. I believe the Bible. Okay, sure. I got a professor at Claremont who believed the Bible too, but she say, Father and Mother God. I know a lot of people who believe the Bible. But, but they'll, they'll still do things that are contrary to it, too. It's not a matter of what you believe, but rather what you do with what you believe. And how what you believe changes you. Ask yourself, since you have come to a place of spiritual awareness, spiritual consciousness, the scriptures that you hold in your hand right now that you're streaming on your phone, how have those scriptures arrested you and changed your life? Because that is the ultimate goal. That is why we stand here week after week and we do this. This is not practice. This is not just tradition. This is not just we doing something because we have nothing else to do. I promise you, I got a lit life. Fine, girl. Listen, we can go find stuff to do. You hear me? People that want to hang out with me. I got a few friends that want, like, where you at, dog? Oh, I'm at church. Okay, man. Well, listen, call me when you out. I got some places to go. I'm just saying. I done made some friends in Africa. I can go to Africa with my homies. Like, let's go to Table Mountain. Let's go to Cape Town and let's just, you know, eat something. I got people. But we do this consistently because the hope is one of these days somebody's going to hear it and their heart is going to be pricked and the whole trajectory of their life is going to be changed because the word became flesh and dwell among them. There's a goal that your heart will be pricked. Why do we raise our voice? Paul says because the foolishness of the gospel will creep into somebody's mind. Go down into their heart, into the soul and the spirit of the man and change their life because it's the truth. And so now the question again is, what do you do with what you believe? And then how does what you believe change you? Now let's, let's go into the scripture and then we're going to let you go. Look at verse 1 and 2. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. He says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus ruler of the Jews that the same came to Jesus by night and said to him rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these things or these miracles except God be with him here it is the validity of God's presence in your life is the manifestation of his power in your situations Don't tell me how much you saved in church. I'm going to know how much you saved when you get into the hard situations of your life and how the power of God manifests. Did God show up? Did God work a miracle? He says, we know that you are, that, that you are a man of God. We know that you are sent by God. We know that you come from God because nobody can do what you're doing except God be with them. This is a day and age where you need to manifest the power of God in your life. Everybody knows somebody to go to church. But what makes you different? Everybody knows somebody to go to church that's still shacking. Everybody knows the everybody know folk that go to church that's still beating their wife. And we trying to figure out why they still on the deacon board. We only got one deacon here. Take it easy. We got two now, and they ain't beating one another. Amen. They good to one another. Praise the Lord. Amen. But we know that stuff. We know the preacher that's sleeping around, and we say amen to their sermons, but don't check them on their life. Come through. And we've seen all this stuff down through the years. And so the credibility of the church, I feel like I'm preaching uh, and, and I'm uh, irritating somebody. Amen. Because um, I want to irritate all your flesh. Hallelujah. Till it changes. Glory to God. 
<laughs> I just feel like the spirit just said, get out of my, you know. And then just, okay, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. It needs to be manifested clear, the power of God. I, I'm, I'm, listen, I, I was sitting, I was sitting at, at, at breakfast in, in Johannesburg with the, one of the churches, uh, the first lady of one of the churches, Pastor Elijah's wife. And, and, and she, says, uh, she says to me in, in her beautiful uh, African accent, she says, oh, Bishop, I, I believe <laughs> that spiritual warfare in the States, <laughs> she, says, she says, I believe it's a concept. But here in Africa, it is real. I said, do tell, explain to me, make, make, it, make it real. She says, well, 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 Bishop, there are people who, who will come and, 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 and they will look for the, for the prophet to manifest like their witch doctor does. Because they'll go to their witch doctor and they will say, I don't want this person in my life anymore. <laughs> and the witch doctor will make them an incantation. And they will go away. And they may come to the prophet. And he prays and make them give a seed, but nothing changes. We got to make sure that in this season, we don't just talk Jesus, but we live. I need people to feel the power. I, 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 need, I need folk who is doped out of their mind when they come in my presence like something different. There needs to be power behind our lifestyle. And so the first thing that Nicodemus acknowledges, there is power in your life. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I need us to understand that it is imperative that the power of God be manifested in our life. So we have to ask God, God, manifest your power in my life. In my, in my career, on my job, with my family, with my friends, with my loved ones, in my relationships. Manifest your power in my life. Can I talk to some single person quickly? You can court in a godly way. And I'm believing God that he's going to show you if they're right, if they're wrong. If they're right, he's going to keep your loins until you marry them. If they're wrong, he's going to get them the hell out of your life expediently and he's going to break every soul tie that you've wrapped around them that causes you to think you can't live without him. And so, and so he says, I, I know you're God. I, I know you're of God because the power that is manifested in you. Look at verse 3 through verse 8. We're moving through this thing. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot See the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, he goes and says, wait a minute. How can a man be born when he is old? Am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb a second time and be born again? Jesus says, hold up, hold up. I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say this unto you. Ah, you must be born again for the wind blows. Ah, and we don't know where it goes. We hear it. And we don't know where it comes from. And so even is the same as those who are born of the spirit. Now, this is the only doctrinal statement I'm going to give you. Because I know some people will, will, will need these, these statements every now and, and, and then. Uh, of course, all of our doctrinal statements are on our, our church website. But there are certain times I feel like I need to make sure that it's understood. I'm going to read it just like we wrote it. Amen. The overarching concept of this passage here is regeneration. Everybody say regeneration. Here's the goal. The church does not make reformed people. The church does not exist to reform people. This is why many churches have a lot of closet people. When you have a church that is over-concerned about reform, I'm not going to change my life. I'm just going to hide it so you don't see it. This is why there's a, when, 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 <laughs> when, when, when deliverance comes, we see people at the altar. We're like, wait a minute, what you dealing with? Why? Because I've, I've learned how to medicate my issue. 
I've learned how to hide my issue long enough so that you, it doesn't ooze through my preaching. I've learned how to cover up my issue so it don't see in my singing. You don't hear it in my singing. I've learned how to, I've learned how to serve well enough that you don't understand that there are levels of issues and pride and haughtiness and, and fear. And, and, and it's under here, but you don't see it because I serve well. It's under here, but you don't hear it because I know how to preach and all that good stuff. It's not about reform. It's about regeneration. It's not about fixing your life. It's about giving you a new life. That you is dead. This is why Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. But it is not I that live, but it is Christ that lives within me. God doesn't want to fix your life. He wants to throw that thing in the grave and give you a brand new one. Man, I, am I making sense to anybody? I would rather God take all of this stuff. I don't want nothing. What you, what you want to take with you? Nothing. Give me all new stuff. And this is why on the other side of the cross, you still wrestle with the demons that you wrestled with before you got saved. Because instead of letting God give you a new life, you was like, I'm cool with this one. Just, just remodel it. But then on the other side, you're trying to figure out why when he texts me, I feel some way. I need folk to be dead to me. Okay, yeah, okay, all right. No, 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 no. Okay, listen. I'm not hating on anybody, but watch this. On the other side of me being saved, the old James is dead. And so old James can't answer phone calls from old James. Old James' phone calls can't be answered by new James. Okay, we're going, all right, all right. The relationships that old James had. That's why some people are, listen, I'm not saying you dead. You just dead to me because I'm dead. And so if I'm dead, then what we used to have is, oh my God, that's dead too. I'm not hating on you, but the life I live now ain't even the, you got to die. Some of y'all still trying to live. Y'all got your old thoughty self on life support. Just in case he. Don't lie. Don't lie to me. Listen, don't, don't, don't. Cause see, listen, because I feel, I feel the enemy trying to fight me, but we're going to finish this in Jesus' name. You got to die, baby. You got to all the way. Who got my book? Who got my book maturely me? Lesson one, die. Okay, I'm gonna watch this. Watch this. Okay, here it is. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you carnal principle. Carnal principle. On the other side of death, you can no longer be held accountable for a debt. And this is why some of us are still in debt to our past, cause we're not dead, so we still got a bill. But the moment you die, you ain't got to pay for it. No. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave. But, I, man, we're going to preach this. We're going to preach the hell out of this thing. And it ain't going to be over us anymore. We're going to have a free church. We're going to have a totally delivered church. You got to expose the devil. You can't make him feel comfortable in your house and in your life. Tell somebody, die, baby. Just die. Just die. Hashtag dead. Let somebody call you and you just like. Anybody ask you? Where? Regeneration. A whole new person. Listen to what listen to regeneration. This is the only this is a doctrinal statement now. This, this is a statement that, that's, that's, a, that's a part of my personal theology. Listen, regeneration speaks of transformation of an individual's soul from estrangement from God to right relationship with him.
It is the impartation of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ into the life of the believer by the sovereign act of Father God on the basis of one's acceptance of Jesus Christ and his glorious gospel. Take a picture of it. That, that, that is a doctrinal statement. So that's doctrine. That's orthodoxy, just in case you needed to know. You're you going to have to, especially all you pastors, there will come a time where, where somebody's going to ask you about something, so you're going to have to have a doctrine on that. you have to have a doctrine on homosexuality. You have to have a doctrine on same-sex marriage. you got to have a doctrine on abortion. you got to have a doctrine on divorce. you got to develop these things. Now, here's the thing. This, this is why it is so important that we have this understanding because some folk will try to make you believe that you got to do something to get God. That you got to act a certain way. That you got, no, 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 no. All you got to do is die. Watch this. This is why baptism is set up the way it is. This is why the believer's baptism, uh, uh, has anybody ever, ever gone into the baptism and, and it was like a do-it-yourself baptism? Oh, go in there. Go handle it. No. Every time you're baptized, watch this. What do you do? Oh, y'all didn't, didn't get the semblance. You, you, are, you, are put, you are put in the hands, watch this, of bearers. In the 6th century, the baptizers were called bearers. Just like Paul bearers. Because they would put you in a death position. And you were no longer in control of your body. But they would bury you in the water and they would bore you up so it was an example of you being dead and brought to life anew dead to sin alive in Christ So you have to know it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not you. It's not you. It is God. It is God. I'm going to move away from this. But you need to understand it's the sovereign act of God. And you get it as long as you accept Jesus. You can't have salvation if you don't want Jesus. And you can't get Jesus without his teaching. Apostasy. Talks about it in the book of Hebrews. We're not going to go deep there. But apostasy has to deal with those who want Jesus but don't want his teaching. Be very careful that you don't try to shortchange God. You can have salvation all you want to, but you got to take this Bible too. This is why you can't, you, watch this, you can't just claim salvation and live any old kind of way. He says, I got, a, I got a name for you. You're an apostate. And you mess around and die. And miss me. Because you're grieving the Holy Spirit. You cannot just sin and live any old kind of way. Because the Holy Ghost lives in you now. And if you do Deny the power of the Holy Ghost. Here's what the Holy Ghost does. You don't want me? Fine. I'm gone. And you know that the Holy Ghost has left you when you can start sinning and don't feel any remorse. And the moment you sin and don't feel remorse, you better find the nearest altar. And you better repent and fast and pray till the joy of your salvation is restored. Don't let your body die. What do you mean? Okay, die and find out. Jesus loves everybody. Yes, he does. He absolutely does. And he died so that you don't have to go to hell. But I promise he ain't going to stop you. I know that's not amen preaching. But the reality is that hell is real. No matter what any bishop says. No matter what you watch on Netflix, hell is real. And it's hot. And it's eternal. And you can't get out. Now, you, none of you will or have to go to hell. I declare it in the name of Jesus. None of you will. None of you will. None of you will. And you don't have to live a certain way not to go to hell. All you have to do is accept Jesus. Just accept him and allow his Holy Spirit to be at work in your life. Something that I need to lift up, though, 
before we move, he says, marvel not. <laughs> the, the, old, the old preacher used to say that their grandmothers wouldn't let them play marbles because the Bible said marvel not. <laughs> not marvel not, marvel. Marvel not. Peep this revelation. Peep this revelation. There are many of us in this church today, right now, and not without any special revelation, just because we, we've, we've been in each other's life enough to know that there are some things that God been told you to do that you have not done yet because you don't understand it. You're marveling at what God told you to do. But here's a revelation that I hear God saying. Stop marveling and move. I didn't ask you, did you understand it? I just said, do it. And some of you, your understanding is on the other side of your doing. And the reason why you don't understand it is because you're not moving. Come on, where the old church sit? And we'll understand it better by and by. Come on. I, 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 love, I love what he says to the lepers. He says, they, they say, we want to be clean. He says, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, what do you think would have happened if they was like, but wait a minute, bro. Wait a minute. We can't go to the priest because we're not clean and they don't want us if we're unclean. So I'm trying to figure out why you want me to go to the priest and why I got to do this. You sitting there dirty. But the moment you stop trying to figure out why he said it and just do what he said, you'll be clean in the priest process the man with the withered hand in the temple Jesus never touched him all he said was stretch out your hand could you imagine this man wait a minute I'm paraplegic what are you trying to do are you trying to make fun of me because I'm handicapped you know I can't hold my hand up you know something wrong with my hand all I'm telling you to do is do it stop marveling at what God told you to do and just move on it just move don't marvel what, I don't understand. What do you mean? What do you mean? What is? Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm just trying to understand. Is he being subliminal? What is it? So, so what was Bishop talking to me? Or did he? Did he say my name? Did he, Did you tell him what I was going through last week? What did you trying to do? Like, was he? He must be showing my Facebook page. I see. That's why I can't. You know, no, no, no. Lady K told him because she be talking too much. No, 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 no. I think it was no, no. I think it was Deacon Mike because you know he ain't really praying. No, no, no. They was at Deidre's house, so Deidre told him. No, 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 no. No, no I, I, I think it was Mike because he and Mike, they so close and they Shut up and move. You believe me to be a man of God? You heard the word of God? I don't care about your personal life outside of your soul. I just want you to live the life God called you to live. I got a real wife and real kids that take up all my real time. I'm going to just say this once so you don't think it again. I ain't got time to be scrolling Facebook to look at your business. I ain't got no ceiling at my house. We got to get a new ceiling in that thing. Thank God for a new house. Amen. Got to, we didn't remodeled it already. Already. It's just been in there a month. Now we're going to remodel. Praise the Lord. But you got to stop marbling. Some of y'all, we, we said it we said during prayer time. The Lord prophesied to you two years ago. And you still like, ah, but what are you saying though, God? Is it him though? Like, it's really like, you know what I mean? Come on, you know, y'all y'all just saying like, yeah, nah, but you know, nah. Maybe that was, maybe that was for somebody else. It wasn't me. No, it was you. Marvel not. Just move. We're, we're gone. We're dismissing now. Read these passages with me. Nicodemus answered and said to him, verse 9, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art not thou a master of Israel, but you don't know these things? I say this unto you. I'm telling you what we know, and we testify what we've seen. But ye receive not our witness. Can I deal with this quickly? God wants to do some amazing things in our life. God wants to make us witnesses. But in order for us to become witnesses, we got to get out the judge and jury box. Okay. All right. Listen. Jesus says, and I will make you witnesses of me. Could it be that you can't see miracles because you're too busy judging. Now, yes, I do believe that there are times when there need to be judgment calls, and this is why there are spiritual authority. Can I say this to my young people quickly? Stop saying your parents are judging you. Because if you accept their provision, you have signed up for their judgment. You don't want them to judge them? Get out. No, no, seriously. 
Seriously. Just pack your stuff and leave, and I promise you they won't judge anything you do. But as long as you're being provided for, judgment is undergirded by provision. Here it is. And this is why you people of God be very careful of who you judge. Because anybody you judge, you then make yourself a provider for them. You're going to judge me? Then what you providing? Oh, I understand that I have to be a judge. And this is why now my life is remanded to providing spiritual grace for you. I'm a provider for you. And so this is why, without delay, and many times I don't want to, but this is why I'll step into your personal life and I'll say, what's going on? Where you at? Why your life like this? I'm not judging you. I'm, I'm leading you through the judgment of God. And this is why you have to thank God for the spiritual leaders you have. Because I would, you would rather me judge you than to have to feel the judgment of God. You would rather me to come and say, this is what the Lord says, than to close your ears to me and everybody else in your life and have to feel the wrath of God. Be witnesses. He says, we witness this. But then he also goes on to say, he says, I need you to understand. That if I have told you earthly things and ye not believe it, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man has ascended into heaven but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And just as Moses was lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. If you read in Numbers, the people of God were murmuring against God and God allowed fiery serpents to go among them and start biting them. Some of the things that we go through is not the devil. It's the Lord biting us because of our mouths. Don't put your mouth on what God has caused you to go through. Just be like, thank you, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for my health and strength. I thank you. I thank you. I got something to eat. Even though it's not what I want, I thank you that I got something, God. Don't bite me, please. Don't bite me. Don't bite me. The Bible says that they prayed and Moses put together a, a, a bronze serpent. And everybody that looked up at the serpent, they were healed. He says that just like Moses lifted up that serpent, I got to lift up Jesus. And when I lift up Jesus, the people have to respond to him. I'm not hating on Bishop Carlton, but there must be a response. Everybody who did not look up to receive the serpent, they died. And that's why there's a lot of spiritual death going on because we decide, watch this, we decide not to look up to Jesus, but to further look amongst where we are. Help, help, help yourself real quick. When you're going through, stop looking at other folk. David says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. I know, I know, I know we didn't push for a little bit, but you got to get this in you before you leave because this is going to make the difference of heaven and hell. Do not allow your fallenness to stop you from receiving the lifting of Christ. Christ fell in the grave so that you could rise up. And many of you are too comfortable, are too pitiful to allow the lifting of God to come through your life. He says, Nicodemus, I need you to understand this. As great as you think you are, you are nothing without Jesus. You are nothing without me. And the moment you, you embrace your nothingness and you look up to me with everything that I am is the moment your life will change. Here it is. You are not to be prideful or boastful about who you are. And you are not to think that you are beyond healing, deliverance, and repentance. I need you to know that I am God enough to bring you down and I'm God enough to lift you up. I need you to know that I am everything you need me to be. So 
So due to the fallenness of man, Christ was lifted up to save all who believe on him. And it is that belief in him that will translate to transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, Rodney, we ready to go. Listen to me. This is the season. This is the day and the time to where you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to transform your life. I don't want to live in a church of people that are made comfortable in their dysfunctions. Come on, we've all known that. We've all known that. Heavenly vision used to be that place. Used to be that place. Come on, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sitting here, I'm not sitting here preaching to you anything that I haven't gone through. I'm telling you what I've gone through. I remember Deacon Mike when, 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 when there was a Red Sea here. There were pews on both sides. I had to sit here and wrestle with Deacon Michael of, of whether I would have a wife and a girlfriend. Had a young lady sit say, okay, listen, I'm fine. I, I, I'm fine with Karen if Karen's fine with me. And I had to wrestle. I began to recognize the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm, I, I, I'm a pastor and I needed somebody to show me the power of the gospel. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews and he needed Jesus to break down to him the power of the gospel. You know, you know the next verse. John 3, 16, you know it, for God so loved the world, right? I'm calling you to believe him today. I thank God. I thank God that I'm saved for real. I th listen, I'm not, I'm not being funny. Listen, and I, and I keep checking on my salvation. You hear me? Oh, y'all don't read the Bible. He said, make your call and election sure. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, today? Yep, okay, I'm still saved. Amen. I ain't, no, no. Can't get me. Yeah. I'm, 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 not, I'm not telling you that, that God is uncertain. I'm telling you that you live uncertain. And sometimes you waver. I waver. And so we need to understand the certainty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It makes the difference between life and death. And so let this conversation with Nicodemus speak to you today. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care what titles you have. I don't care how many things you've done, how many people you prayed for, how many, you know, all, okay, amen, all that good stuff. I don't care how much orthodoxy you have. Ask yourself today, do you have orthopraxy? Not, 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 in, the, not, not, in, the, not in the corporate gathering, but in the night season where nobody is looking. in South Africa and you're going back to your five-star hotel and, and there and there are young ladies outside the hotel that are there for that reason and you say God I'm here to do your work not to mention that you got you know people watching you too when it's just you and your thoughts and nobody there to judge you. Will you make the right decision? Not because you want to, but because the Holy Spirit is present and compels you to. My prayer for every one of us is that we become an orthoproxy church. Yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll put on the robes and the collars when we feel compelled to. But it's not just about the orthodoxy. Yeah, we got good doctrine. I can teach it all day long. We can talk. We, we can talk about the five points of Calvinism. We can talk about the five views of apologetics. We can talk about soteriology. Come on, we can do it all. Exegesis, eisegesis, hermeneutics, homiletics. Come on, come on, come on. But when it counts, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will make the right choice. Because we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Who's with me?
Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will make us an orthopraxy church. We thank you for the orthodoxy. We thank you for the tradition. We thank you for what Joseph Lee and all of his leaders did. We thank you for the foundation that was set in all of our home churches and, and that old elder, that old bishop, that old prophet, that old mother that led us and gave us orthodoxy and gave us doctrine and gave us traditions. But God, now in this day, in this time, in this season, where it's our turn to lead, where it's our turn to serve, where it's our turn to be the husbands, it's our turn to be the fathers, it's our turn to be the wives, it's our turn to be the mothers. Father God, we pray that you would allow your spirit to arrest us. We don't want to be reformed. We want to be regenerated so that we can live the life that is pleasing to you. And so, God, we pray that you would do the work in us now. Let your Holy Spirit rule in us now. God, we believe you. And we declare that we will never be the same. We will allow your spirit to wrestle with our flesh. <laughs> we will allow your spirit to wrestle with our flesh. We will no longer wrestle with our flesh because we can't win. But as your spirit wrestles with our flesh, we know that your spirit is stronger than our flesh. We will not marvel. We will just move. And we believe in Jesus. We declare him our Lord and our Savior. We will look up and we will live. And it is so. In Jesus' name.